AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And... The Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I am Katie Rich, and I'm here on Emmy Nominations Day with my usual crew of David Canfield. Hello. Rebecca Ford. Hi. And Richard Lawson. Hello. I changed up the order. I don't know. Emmys have really thrown me off. <laughs> well, this is their award. This is awards. I mean, this is David and Rebecca's time to get primacy, I think, for well, sure. Uh, this is where we all just start number crunching and trying to figure out how anything has happened the way that it did. Um, we have a lot of Emmy nominations to discuss and a lot of snubs to discuss, which was inevitable in some way. Um, to start with the top line, Succession led the nomination total with 25, followed by Ted Lasso and White Lotus, which tied at 20. Um, all of which I think were expected heavy hitters going into this, though I think the extent to which Succession and Ted Lasso and Hacks kind of held on to their supremacy um, surprised me. Me a little bit. Oh, where do I even start? That's my surprise. Who wants to go with their next surprise from what was on here? Either a snub or something that succeeded more than you expected. I'm really excited for Abbott Elementary. I, yeah, I, this I knew was, you'd say that. This is something I <laughs> talked about in our, you know, last episode where we were pushing for the shows we and the performances we wanted to highlight. And, and uh, you know, obviously, I think we felt pretty secure that it was going to get in for comedy series. But to see, you know, so many of the actors get nominated, I just think is really exciting because... They, they do such great work. And I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, on a sort of ensemble sitcom like that, they wouldn't get that kind of attention. So, you know, to see Quinta, but but also Cheryl Lee Ralph and Janelle James get nominated is just really, really cool. Or even Tyler James Williams, who I think, you know, as, a, as far yeah. as I can tell, like the only major male role on the show. And I think it's in the supporting acting nominations like that or like Ted Lasso showing up for Toheeb Jamo. Like that's when you know a show is really beloved when it gets surprising nominations like that. And he's been working in sitcoms since he was like four. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I am going to pull up his IMDb right now. Um, all right, David, pleasant surprise from you then. Uh, pleasant surprise. I wasn't nominated for limited series, uh, which is a really messy category, but Station Eleven got 
seven nominations and I was expecting far fewer. Uh, mm. If I had my way, would probably win that category. Um, and seeing Himish Patel get in for Best Actor over many Oscar winners um, was a really delightful surprise for me. You know, it's not the showiest performance, but it's just such a lovely, subtle, really affecting anchor for that show. Um, it also got in for both writing and directing. Uh, so there was definitely a lot of support for it, and you have to think it came up close against the likes of Pam and Tommy <laughs> and Inventing Anna, which were the the populist choices, let's say. Um, I was yeah. also really thrilled for Abbott Elementary. I, I think The White Lotus is definitely overkill, but seeing actors <laughs> like <laughs> Natasha Rothwell yeah. cited alongside Jennifer Coolidge and Connie Britton and Alexander Daddario, who I think is really underrated in that show, too. Um, nominations for everybody in White Lotus. Why not? They're all great. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is nice to see several actors who had really great years beyond The White Lotus. Sydney Sweeney also nominated for that and Euphoria. Uh, get those mentions because they did have a great year and they were great in that show. So I have no complaints. Eight actors from The White Lotus were nominated. Eight. Uh, including five actresses, which is, you would be worried about them if Jennifer Coolidge wasn't such a runaway favorite in there. Like, they're all going to lose to her, which is fine. Um, but man, that is spreading the wealth. Well, the other two are both from Dope Sick, so they're going to split too. It's, <laughs> it's literally two shows in that category. Um, Richard, I want to get into the limited series mess, but why don't you throw in a, a pleasant surprise first? Oh, um, I like to see I Think You Should Leave the, with Tim Robinson getting in in the short form categories um, he, for his performance and for the show overall. That's exciting. Um, fun to see RuPaul's Drag Race untucked <laughs> in a reality category. Selling Sunset is now an Emmy nominee. I don't know if that ha- happened with past seasons. but mm, um, as, as was predicted in the uh, the prophecy, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't watch that show, but I just think it's it's interesting to see the Emmys in at least some cases turning toward populism and saying, yeah, sure, come on to the party. Whereas they kind of rejected that elsewhere. I mean, it's interesting that Selling Sunset is nominated at these Emmys, but uh, I believe This Is Us is not. This Is Us is not. Yeah. For yeah. nothing. No no categories for This Is Us. I think it has one nomination um, it does. on, out, on out, the out, list. I have outstanding to... original music and lyrics. I'm just looking oh, it up. <laughs> Uh, same with Yellowstone, which um, we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, but, um, you know, much discussed most popular show in America. To, I, I didn't necessarily expect it to, like, clean up, although I think we discussed it, but for it to get nothing at all, not surprised me. Yeah, it has, that, that really does have zero. I think it was a bit of misplaced confidence in a show that just isn't reaching the Television Academy demographic voting body. Um, it, it never has. It was extremely popular two years ago. It's extremely popular na- popular now. And I do think it's had some crossover appeal in this past season, but overall, yeah, it's it's not it's it's not landing with these uh, voters and it probably never will because it was a really big campaign this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, David, you're doing some kind of psychoanalysis of the voters and what they had time to watch and didn't um, while talking about the limited series race. So let's let's jump back to that, because in some ways it's like the most visible Emmy race, at least when, you know, it's us and every week there's some new show to discuss. And we knew it was going to be a bloodbath with all of these huge shows that premiered in the spring, which you've also discussed. But like, how did that all shake out? How does We Crash to get nothing, David? How did this happen? Uh, it was definitely a case of too much. I mean... 
all of those April May premieres underperformed at best. Under the Banner of Heaven has one nomination for Andrew Garfield. The Staircase has two nominations for Tony Collette and Colin Firth. Uh, the First Lady, which was another April premiere, underperformed. Gaslit underperformed. Um, we Crash underperformed. Whereas shows that premiered earlier, like Pam and Tommy and Inventing Anna, both were more broad appealing to begin with, if not as well reviewed, um, but also premiered earlier and had more time to find their audience and premiered before there were 10 limited series streaming at the same time, which shocker is not the best strategy for finding an audience. Um, And I think that was clearer this year than I've ever seen it before. It felt that way for us watching like as regular viewers. And so it makes sense that that would be the same case for the television Academy. Um, I mean, even Sarah Paulson getting nominated for impeachment. You know, that was a fall show that had a lot of time. It wasn't very, you know, widely watched at the time, but there are all these little indications that shows that aired earlier had more time to stick with Emmy voters. Um, So I think that the spring glut did not pay off. Yeah, or even uh, Candy, which we discussed on this show and on Still Watching, which got uh, one nomination for main title design, which were very good. They were very good. Um, Rebecca, what do you think about how the limited series uh, category shook out? I mean, I feel like we always knew this was going to be, there were going to be a lot of losers just because it was, there's just so much this year. It feels like more than ever. And and I think we've been saying that for the last few years. Um, but I, I, I like a lot of what David is saying when it comes to, to the theory. And I, I will also read his piece when it's up. But um, to me, the inventing Anna of it all is is the most curious thing to me, but I don't have the answer as to why. I think most galling about the inventing Anna thing is that it was nominated for Outstanding Depiction of How a Magazine Works. <laughs> <laughs> and we lobbied against that category entirely. Yeah, I mean, and it's the only nominee, so <laughs> it's kind of probably going to win. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
Okay, so Richard, talk, like inventing Anna feels like a real uh, feather in the cap for Netflix in some ways, which I did pretty well, I think. It gets Stranger Things in there in uh, drama series, the Squid Game, obviously, and Ozark are still huge. Do you think that there's like a single network or streamer or anyone who really has the most bragging rights today? HBO. Yeah. You As know, usual. <laughs> I mean, th- 14 acting nominations for Succession. 14? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because that's guest actors and supporting and lead. And I mean, imagine being the 15th. I don't know who that would be. But, uh, Dasha like, from Red Scare, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I'm, not so, I'm not upset for her. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think HBO, you know, that they're they're doing comedy successfully. They're doing drama success. I mean, they have Hacks and Barry on, on two different, you know, one is HBO Normal and the other is Max. Uh, Station Eleven, uh, I mean, The Staircase getting a couple, that's great. Uh, obviously, White Lotus with 20 nominations. Like, HBO is just doing this better than everyone else at this moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, there, I, if I had to pick a second place, I think it has to be Hulu. Like, looking at just, you know, looking at this document where it has it by network and seeing that huge list for Pam and Tommy, and then also Dope Sick, and then also Only Murders in the Building, and The Great, which did pretty well. Like, that's a, that's a big haul for... You know, a company that is owned by Disney and you don't, you don't know what's on Hulu and what's on FX. Like, they're, they're doing pretty well. Yeah, and those are all their own programs. Abbott Elementary was watched by a lot of people on Hulu. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was what we do in the shadows. I would say most of its audience is probably Hulu. Uh, Banner of Heaven, which was nominated for Andrew Garfield, um, is, I think, technically also a Hulu show. It only airs on Hulu. <laughs> it's listed under FX, but as usual with FX and Hulu, the line between them is very fuzzy for the rest of us. Yes, it's hard for me to keep track. <laughs> the Great is interesting because one of the stories from 2020 was that that show, which got a lot of good reviews and stuff, only got a uh, you know, two nominations for writing and directing, nothing for the performers. And now for season two, they have them. And so clearly something about Hulu's campaigning insisted it into the sort of toward the top of the viewing pile for enough voters, you know, and maybe the same is true. I mean, Pam and Tommy, I think that to me is is weird because I don't think that's a very good show. I think the performances are, are good, but I think that in addition to Hulu campaign, uh, success. I think it's also that that story, obviously, for a certain age of a voter, probably feels recent enough to feel very relevant. And like, hmm. oh yeah, let's revisit that weird thing that was adjacent to our industry or overlapping some with our industry. Um, that really, as the show, I think, struggles to kind of argue in a compelling way, uh, helped change the game of everything surrounding everyone who's voting for this thing you know who you know everyone in the industry what fame is how fame manifests like um, i can see pam and tommy having that relevance and i'm sure that hulu did a good job of communicating that somehow be, even just beyond the text of the show uh, to the voters yeah, yeah that's a really good point I mean, it makes me wonder about the our true crime boom that we talked about so much with all those spring shows like is, is that over <laughs> before it began like it, it's not as relevant to voters as this other stuff it clearly didn't land Right. I mean, I I think it's interesting that even the dropout, you know, it did get into limited series and Amanda Seyfried will almost surely win that best actress category. But, you know, they nominated Seth Rogen for Pam and Tommy over Naveen Andrews for the dropout. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me says a lot about the standing of those two shows. Pam and Tommy has more nominations overall, and it it got in a lot of key areas where I thought the dropout would, um, but it didn't. So... Yeah, the the tech shows uh, mostly underperformed, as did the true crime shows. What if uh, Julia Garner is now this like dark horse contender for actress in a limited series or movie because of how much they love inventing Anna? You never know what's going to happen. Fair question. 
Um, Rebecca, you talked about Abbott Elementary as kind of this bright, shining light in the comedy thing. I mean, I think we could see how competitive the comedy categories are. Like in the Best Actress category where Selena Gomez was this surprising snub. Like, do you think it's just going to be Ted Lasso and Hacks all over again? Or has the the landscape changed now that we know the nominees? It does feel like Ted Lasso is unbeatable, doesn't it, at a certain point? And, you know, it comes in with 20 nominations. It just feels like totally unbeatable. I mean, I would love to see a surprise. There's so many good shows in this category, but I I, I feel like I would back Ted Lasso if I was a betting woman right now. David, what happened with Julia? How did that just strike out in comedy? We were so high on it. Maybe just one too many HBO contenders. I, I also <laughs> think it's a really nice, gentle show. Uh, it doesn't do a lot to stand out or make itself known and you need to be flashy, I think, to get Emmy nominations increasingly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am pretty shocked that Hacks managed 17 nominations for season two. It just, yeah, you know, it was well-reviewed, but it just felt a lot quieter coming in. I think that's definitely affirms that Gene Smart is unbeatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, yeah. we don't have a complete repeat in the comedy categories. I mean, Only Murders did get 17 nominations, which is a pretty huge haul for a first-year show. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's also really well-positioned because it's airing a very well-received second season right now that's quite popular. So um, that would be the one I would look to spoil. I just can't see Hacks doing even as well as it did last year. It won both writing and directing. I don't think that that will happen again. Yeah. The other uh, network we should probably talk about is Apple. I mean, they did Mm -hmm. get Ted Lasso, but Severance also got 14 nominations, which is the same as Squid Game got. I don't think any of us... Would have expected that before today. Yeah. I mean, getting those two supporting nominations for John Turturro and Christopher Walken, like that's a really uh, nice surprise and also indication of how how much that show succeeded. Yeah. And I do think when we're talking about Apple, for phase two now, they they have one comedy series and one drama series they have to mm. push. Whereas, you know, HBO is juggling Hacks and Barry and Curb in comedy and uh, euphoria and succession and drama. So And I think, White Lotus. And White Lotus. Like, so I think Apple, you know, I'm, I'm bummed that Pachinko did not uh, get in, but when we're looking at what's going to happen in the next, uh, you know, month or two, I think Apple being able to sort of focus its efforts will, will probably benefit it. But Rebecca, The Morning Show has three major acting nominations. Oh, excuse me. I somehow <laughs> forgot The Morning Show. <laughs> The, the longevity of the, I mean, the, the stereotype of the Emmys for so long was just like they keep nominating the same things over and over again. And I think they have proven that wrong plenty of times. And there's lots of new stuff in here. But then you see stuff like the morning show, like saying relatively strong. You're like, maybe there is a point where if you're in the club, you never get out. They also made weird choices on the morning show, though. Like they dropped Jennifer Aniston and nominated Reese Witherspoon instead. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like Juliana Margulies was probably the fuzziest supporting performance. They didn't nominate that, but they kept Billy Crudup in. It's I don't understand how the morning show performs at the Emmys at all, ever. <laughs> yeah, they nominated Marcia Gay Harden, right? Yeah, and that one I get. I mean, she's an Oscar Tony winner who gets a fun, kind of villainous role in a show that they clearly watch. So that, that makes sense to me. I, I expected her to be nominated. Yeah, I had to do our guest actress on a drama series predictions, and it was so freaking hard. Like, I picked three people from Succession, which was the right thing to do. And then beyond that, there's just no telling. I think with The Morning Show, it's like a messy show is reflected in messy nominations. You know? It's <laughs> yeah, like chaos. Here you go. That's it. 
God, speaking of messy, how did Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh get nominated again for, like, one of the most reviled season finales I can remember? And over Mandy Moore for a very well-received final season. Yeah. Like, is that is that a box-checking kind of thing where you remember that you like them and you just go for it? I think so. I mean, the Emmys nominating process is uh, they have an unlimited ballot. You can check off as many people as you want. And that, to me, is the only explanation for how both of those actresses could make it in here. Um, Wait, what does that mean? Like, when you have your ballot, you don't have to pick, like, a certain number? You just check off everyone you like? Correct. Why? Um, (laughs) TV is friendlier than film. That's what it is. They're like, we everyone like everyone. gets invited. That's why you have five White Lotus and two Dope Sick actresses making up the entirety of the supporting actress category for That's limited. wild. I mean, yeah. then you can, like, you run into someone, you're like, I voted for you. And you, <laughs> you don't have to lie about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bizarre system, but I do think that you probably have, you probably have a situation where if you're voting for one, you're voting for the other. Mm-hmm. And... There were evidently enough people who did that. I mean, I think it's kind of a shame, too, that Severance could get so many actors nominated, but Britt Lauer couldn't break in over them Yeah, uh, for a lead actress. Um, you know, the Emmys always have those weird balances between inspired nominations and really tired, overdone ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, looking at the drama category, you have... 35 nominations between Yellow Jackets, Severance, and Squid Game, which are all new shows. That's pretty significant. That feels like a larger haul for for dramatic, for drama freshmen than what they usually do. So, you know, there are indications that they definitely en masse watched some of the new stuff and really embraced that. Yeah, I was struck that Yellow Jackets got two writing nominations. I think it's the only show that did. Um, that's a, that's an impressive uh, show of how strong it is. And we can all pause to celebrate Melanie Linsky, who we've you know praised endlessly on this show, but getting that... Her nomination was expected, but was a real thrill to see in that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't watch Better Call Saul, but I got enough wind of it that I knew that Rhea Seahorn was really the cause celeb, uh, David, I think from you <laughs> largely. Uh, so seeing her uh, get nominated and, and supporting actress in a drama series was great, but then I could... I was stunned that Sarah Goldberg over in comedy did not make it in and that that just has to be some weird like quirk of the ballot thing. Like she was such a standout in this season of Barry, and Barry got so many nominations. It's such like what a painful, weird accident. Yeah, I, I remember thinking at the beginning of the season she probably wouldn't come back, but it, it felt like by the end she had such incredible material. She was so good, and the show was clearly such a hit that I didn't see how she could miss. But it, it does seem like. You know, they they wanted to make room for Sarah Niles for Ted Lasso, evidently. She's the third Ted Lasso actress in that category, which I'm happy about. I thought she she was one of my favorite parts of the new season. Abbott Elementary, they went for both Janelle James and Cheryl Lee Ralph, which was a bit of a surprise. Again, thrilled to see that. Um, And then you have Alex Borstein, Hannah Einbinder, Kate McKinnon, Hannah Waddingham, and Juno Temple, who you knew would be nominated. And so... Yeah, I think it was just, it was a really competitive category. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, there just wasn't the passion there that evidently there was for those other performances or or maybe just for shows. I, I You know, I think clearly Ted Lasso and Abbott Elementary were favorites for this acting branch overall. Is it possible, given Sarah Goldberg's arc on this season of Barry, where her character gets the dream opportunities she's always wanted, and then they fall apart. 
partly because of a shift in her temperament, mostly because of other outside things. But like the the way that that character and so brilliantly played is a study in like genuine, earnest ambition and pure intent commingling pretty badly with vanity. Maybe Mm -hmm. people in the Academy were like, I don't like to see me. (laughs) That's not good. Uh, You know, I I don't think that's probably what happened, but like, you know, you never know. It's pretty raw. Like, even if you're not in the industry, I think you can watch her and and like see enough of the worst parts of yourself, which is such a a testament to how great that performance is. But you might have a point, Richard. Oh, I mean, you know, I will defend the importance of criticism up to the point that I'm reading Goodreads reviews of my book. <laughs> you know, then these people are just, you know, don't they don't know anything and why would they say anything if it was negative? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So like I think that like confronting the contradictions of being a creative person in a highly charged industry like television, which is where Sarah Goldberg's character heads in and Barry, yeah, maybe I don't know, maybe something was a little too close to to the bone. Yeah, I think so. And she she could also be a victim of the fact that Barry often doesn't feel like a comedy. And in Mm. this race, especially, you have a lot of broadly comic performances. And clearly that was favored. Looking at, as I look at the comedy category in general, the guest actor in a comedy series category is so confusing because you read (laughs) Gerard Carmichael for Saturday Night Live, not for Roth Daniel, which maybe we can talk about more, David, where it was nominated. Bill Hader for Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then it's just all Ted Lasso, Only Murders in the Building and Hacks. Um, I had to look up James Lance for Ted Lasso because that name wasn't familiar. He plays Trent Krim. Like, that's how much Ted Lasso was beloved this year. And then Sam Richardson for, uh, I think, a pretty funny role, but, like, very small appearance at the end of it. Um, Yeah, just... That's, that is the Ted Lasso power that all of these people are on there. And then Harriet Walter getting nominated for Ted Lasso and also Succession because, you know, she's Harriet Walter. She can do it. Double nominee like Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> I saw your tweet, Richard. <laughs> oh, that, that, that Harriet Walter and Sydney Sweeney are counterparts? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the British and American versions. Yeah, they're, um, I mean, they've, I've always thought of them that way. Yeah. Is Sydney Sweeney who we thought from the, success, or from the uh, Euphoria supporting cast would get the nomination this year because I, I didn't feel like she was the breakthrough I heard as much about. Uh, that bathroom scene was yeah. so... Yeah, I think she was. Yeah. I think she was. Yeah, okay. that bathroom scene was so memed and passed around and uh, I, I think that what was written for her character in in this season of Euphoria was kind of appalling. Like, I just, I don't... She just lost all humanity, kind of, I think, in the show's view of her, but um, the it was a good performance and it was a, a, a big standout performance, you know, so... Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. So, David, what happened with Rathaniel? Uh, Drag Her Michael is an Emmy nominee several times over, so we can celebrate that. But did how 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 did Dave how does Dave Chappelle's like Netflix walkout inspiring special get nominated instead? I have I have no answer for that. I'm taking it slightly personally. I mean, it it is bizarre to me that it wasn't just because of comedy specials, particularly in 2022. It was the far and away breakout, and usually those do get nominated here. He was nominated for writing. Bo Burnham was nominated for directing, so it got you know, everything but the main category. And Gerard was also nominated for 
SNL. He's the only SNL host nominated for guest acting, which feels Usually like— Usually you get, like, three or four. Yeah, and I mean, I thought he was great, but I also wouldn't have said he was the best host of the season. So it, it's quite, quite curious, and it almost feels deliberate mm. because he shows up everywhere but the main category. Yeah, I— I think that there should be a lot of scrutiny over that Dave Chappelle nomination, given that he was not nominated in that category, because, you know, both were pretty widely watched, I think it's safe to say. And it's curious why one would be nominated over the other. When you look at the variety special pre-recorded category, it makes me wonder if this category should exist because it's such a strange it's Adele concert movie, Dave Chappelle, the Harry Potter reunion, a Norm Macdonald special, and then uh, Evening with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Like I I like get what? The, like what? <laughs> yeah, what is what is this category? Cuz you know, then you get to the live version of it where it's like the Grammys and the Oscars. Actually, did the Oscars get nominated? Oh no, they they, yeah, yeah. they did. Um yeah, yeah, there's our opportunity to relive relive that night. Um <laughs> So anyway, I wonder if like best comedy special is what should happen and make some more sense out of this category. I think they need to rework the entirety of the variety categories at this point. Mm. I mean, they're having a lot of problems with sketch series, as we've talked about. It's the same two nominees, once again, Black Lady Sketch Show and Saturday Night Live. You want to do a quick explainer on why that is? It's, It's something about the amount of eligible shows, right? Yeah, there are only eight shows submitted for consideration, and they have you know, kind of a sliding scale on how many nominees there will be based on the amount of submissions. It's not a fixed number. And so as long as there's less than 10, last year it was nine, this year was eight, um, there will only be two nominees. And they nixed the variety performer category, which is why you now have all the SNL actors mixed in with the um, series actors. You have, like you said, Katie, a variety special pre-recorded category that mixes concerts and comedy specials and... (laughs) All kinds of things. Um, and then even the late night category, uh, they were only going to nominate four shows and the showrunners had to petition the Television Academy to add a fifth slot again because there were less submissions, which is mm-hmm. how Seth Meyers got nominated. Which is great because people yeah, have been great. for years. Um, but it just feels like each of these categories is either shapeless or kind of barren. And there's a way to recognize more of the work because there's a lot of good work in the sketch series that just literally cannot be nominated because there aren't enough, there isn't enough competition. Yeah. Um, feels like it should be reworked in some way, but I don't really know how. Well, the continuing problem of television is that there's just too much of it and trying, like, you know, expecting people to be some from the Emmys is one thing, but there are creative ways to not like invent new categories to hand people awards, but like change your rules so that more stuff can get in there. It, does, it doesn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting when you you bring up SNL because a few years ago, I feel like the supporting actor and actress categories were just packed with SNL performers. And, and this mm-hmm. year, we only have uh, Bowen and Kate McKinnon that got nominated. So that feels like a real shift. And, and maybe that's because there are so many hit comedies right now. And also Ted Lasso takes up like half of each of these categories this year. So, <laughs> um, But that's definitely an interesting switch. Uh, I'm diving into two of my favorite recurring categories, which is outstanding narrator and uh, voiceover performance. And oh, the, I didn't see narrator. Uh, oh, well, let me let me give you the list of nar- uh, narrator. No, hang on. Uh, it's got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, David Attenborough, W. Kamau Bell, Lupita Nyong'o, and Barack Obama all uh, in the Whoa. mix against you. I don't know how you pick <laughs> among those. 
I don't. I don't think Barack Obama is losing that category. That <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna take that prediction to the bank. Um, and then in the character voiceover performance, where you get you know everything from Bridgerton to Big Mouth, uh, both Chadwick Boseman and Jessica Walter got posthumous nominations, uh, which is kind of lovely. And then F. Murray Abraham, Stanley Tucci, Jeffrey Wright, Julie Andrews, and Maya Rudolph round out the category. Wow. Uh, also, the picture oh, a, a rare Bridgerton nomination. I know. Well, I mean, her, I do feel like Julie Andrews's voiceover in Bridgerton is a pretty essential element of it, and she's Julie Andrews. Very worthy nomination. Also, the picture of her on the Emmy site is from like Mary Poppins era, which is just really <laughs> lovely to like see her. And you never know any differently because it's just uh, her voice. I know. <laughs> the um, Laurie Metcalf picture looks on the Emmy's website looks like it's like a promo still from Roseanne, like you know, twenty five <laughs> years ago or something. Wait, Laurie Metcalf, she didn't get nominated for The Dropout, right? She for got Hacks, for Guests. For Hacks, yeah. that's right. Along with Harriet Sansom Harris, who was so good. It's in a that thrilling nomination, yeah. truly. Yeah, I mean, Hacks got four of the six Guest Actress category nominations. I can honestly defend each of them. <laughs> that's a, they had a stacked Guest Actress lineup on that ballot, and yeah. um, I'm not shocked that they all made it in. The Caitlin Olsen thing seems like a little bit of a fudge in a way, because like, I think of her as a cast member, but I know that those they're like... I think she was only in one or two this season. Well, is that right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, guess, I guess she was a bigger part in the first season, yeah. yeah. Isn't that one of the few things that they like actually attach numbers to in terms of like who's a guest and who's a uh, who's a actual supporting player? Because Joan Cusack kept getting nominated for Shameless, and she was in every single episode for guest actress. Well, Caitlin Olsen's only previous Emmy nomination was for Outstanding Actress in a Short-Form Comedy or Drama Series for something called Flipped. Um, that was a <laughs> Quibi show. Oh, wow. Uh, so good for her. I feel like this is a long overdue Emmy nomination for her then. I take it back. Hack's going to have as many nominations as it was. <laughs> <laughs> 17, maybe a lot. 17. But... <laughs> uh, talking about snubs, I'm just looking at the networks. Uh, Peacock only got nominations for Angeline, which honestly, you know, good for them. Uh, but Girls 5 Eva once again, cruelly snubbed, and even for songs, which is nuts. Um, any last snubs before we, I don't know, wrap up the Emmys for now before we start talking about it again next week? I think it's worth noting that the First Lady, which was yeah. designed to get Emmy nominations, yeah. did, it did get three below the line. Um, but you put it out in April, you had three movie stars, uh, Emmy favorites slash Oscar favorites at the helm and didn't get anything. And it's, yeah, that was expected, I think, given the reviews and ratings, but still quite a fall from the hope for that show. Say what you will, but sometimes, at least in these awards voting bodies, the thing does actually have to be good. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, I think we mentioned Gaslit briefly at the beginning, but the fact that it got, you know, four technical nominations, and it's a freaking Julia Roberts TV show. Um, I mean, I realize she made that Amazon series a couple years ago that also didn't really make a splash, but I I liked Gaslit, um, but it just, you know, even or Anne Hathaway and We Crash, like even massive, massive stars couldn't stand out. Those type of performances are like the Oscar formula, right? The famous person playing a real person in the makeup and hair and and like that still works in Oscar season, but it does feel like with Emmy season that's that's not enough. That's an interesting yeah. theory. Yeah. I mean, I wrote in my review, my somewhat negative review of Gaslit that like had that been a really interesting two and a half hour film, we would be having a very different conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that my, I mean, I think that David is right primarily that it was just those shows were in that crazy blitz of April-ish and 
things were going to get lost. But I think also, like, and to Rebecca's point, like, TV is a different medium. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of talk about those lines blurring over the, you know, in recent years, but like, and obviously there are some performances here that were very, you know, Lily James, big transformation, all that kind of stuff. But something about We Crashed or Gaslit or whatever might have felt a little bit too much like homework mm. or like vegetables. And they were mm-hmm. like, you know, I can do that for a couple hours, but why am I going to sit with this for six, seven, eight hours? You know, um, and obviously Super Pumped was one of those shows too. And um, I, I think in a weird way, as much as there was stuff to like about, you know, plenty of the things that got pretty much blanked, I find it a little heartening that somewhere maybe some lines are being kind of reiterated um, in terms of that TV first movie thing. I think you're dead on. I mean, you had the following Oscar winners competing for Best Actress. Renee Zellweger, Viola Davis, Julia Roberts, Jessica Chastain, who was also not nominated. Oh, yeah. a more recent nominee. And instead they nominated Sarah Paulson for a show we didn't think anybody watched. Um, I think that's actually, I think you're dead on, Richard. I think that's really telling about what kind of choices they made in those categories. As Julia Roberts said when she came out to the Tonys to present something, having had terrible reviews in her one Broadway performance in Three Days of Rain. Well, I mean, she did more than one performance, but her one Broadway role. (laughs) uh, She looked at the audience, flashed that, you know, million dollar smile and said, you are all so talented. (laughs) And it was was her basically saying, sorry, I like carpet bagged in here and tried to do what you guys do. And I don't know, maybe some of that sentiment, people are like, there are TV actors still who need this recognition. You movie stars go back to, you know, your thing. Yeah. And you were, you mentioned to me, Katie, the Tony Collette nomination, which actually is, is kind of interesting and curious um, because the staircase truly got nothing else. And Colin Firth was the face of that show. He was, more of a lead than she was. Yeah. Um, I, I found that really interesting that they nominated her, given the competition in the category. And given that I, I think she is, you know, increasingly more known for her TV work, like unbelievable, she won for United States of Terra. Yeah. It also feels in line with that a little bit to me. I think there's other bias in, at work there too, in that like, you know, famously, a lot of Academy members have been attacked by owls. And so they <laughs> saw themselves in that. Uh, speaking of Jessica Chastain, I did want to flag that uh, her uh, Isaac Tammy Faye director, Michael Showalter, now an Emmy-nominated director. I, that is not the career turn I expected for uh, the star of What Hot American Summer, but good for him. Good for him. Deserved. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, The Dropout got two directing nominations in limited series, which is um, just crazy, crazy deserved. And David, you were explaining to me how Mike White gets nominated for both writing and directing White Lotus with no episodes attached because he wrote and directed all of them, which is bananas. This is back when Barry Levinson would direct an HBO movie and get nominated for it, mm-hmm. but it's not an episode, it's a movie. And so they used to make it that mini series before they were limited series, which always had one writer and one director, they would submit as movies essentially. Mm-hmm. So it would not be for an episode, it would be for the whole thing. And so now that you don't have TV movies really competing at a series level. Um by the way, Ben Foster is so great in The Survivor. And yeah. that just never really had a shot because they don't, they won't nominate them anymore. And it's such a weird gray area. The Survivor um, did get nominated in the TV movie category. Uh, would you guys like the rest of the nominees in that category? It's a funny lineup. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which is a really good movie that I liked a lot. Uh, Ray Donovan, the movie, which I didn't know happened. Reno 911, <laughs> The Hunt for QAnon, which I also didn't know happened. And then Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas, a Roku original movie. <laughs> Adaptation of an NBC show that has been canceled, right? So, and no fresh, by the way, which 
Right. Oh my god. Yeah. Was a you know a you know a well-made a sun, movie a Sundance that got, success. You know, got a lot of buzz out of Sundance and missed out to Ray Donovan the movie. I mean, uh, I <laughs> doesn't bode well for good luck to you, Leo Grand, next year. I'll tell you that. If uh, if people have not were not aware of the Reno nine one one movie, it is pretty funny. So I would oh. recommend watching it. Well, then that and Rescue Rangers, we can <laughs> make some endorsement out of the uh, movie category. But how's Ray Donovan the movie? We don't know. No one knows. Uh, no. Isn't there... <laughs> no one will ever know. Um, Everyone's dad just checked off Ray yeah, Donovan the, the movie. Yeah, well, they're all going to go watch that and then uh, complain about the Emmys not nominating Yellowstone. Yes. Um, well, I guess that does it for the nominations conversation. We'll have lots more Emmy conversations, conversations with nominees. There's a lot to get into in the coming weeks. The Emmys will be on September 12th, which if you're keeping score is during the Toronto Film Festival. So please pray for us and our sleep and our uh, attention spans. Um, but in the meantime, we got a lot of Emmy coverage on VanityFair.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LittleGoldMen and on our own. I am at Katie Rich and Richard. Rylaws. And David. David Canfield 97. And Rebecca. Rebecca M. Ford. Also, please text us at joinsubtext.com slash littlegoldmen or text 718-550-2059. Maybe we'll get into some of your burning Emmy questions next week. Our editor and producer is Brett Fuchs, and this week's award for what Brett swears he says to us at the end of every episode goes to Richard Lawson and Julia Roberts. You are all so talented. <laughs> I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. From P. 